I got a false sense of reality leaving my parents' house in my 20s about what my life should be like in my mm-hmm. 20s. I immediately got a luxury car because <laughs> my parents had one. I immediately yeah. bought a house because my parents had one. I immediately wh- whatever went out to dinner, went out with my friends whenever I wanted to because my parents were doing that. But the reality is my parents earned that over mm-hmm. decades and decades of their lives. Hey, this is Allison and welcome to the Inspire Budget Podcast where we talk all things budgeting, debt and saving money. Saving money is our topic today. Actually, it's even better than saving. It's investing for our children. To help me dive into this topic, I'm going to be talking with Andy Hill. He is the award-winning family finance coach behind Marriage Kids and Money, a platform dedicated to helping young families build wealth and happiness. Andy's advice and personal finance experience have been featured in major media outlets like CNBC, Forbes, and NBC News. With millions of podcast downloads and video views, Andy's message of family financial empowerment has resonated with listeners, readers, and viewers across the world. When he's not talking money, Andy enjoys being a soccer dad, singing karaoke with his wife, and watching Marvel movies. He's going to be explaining how we can make our own kids become millionaires. Let's dive in. Welcome, Andy, to the Inspire Budget Podcast. I'm so happy that you're joining us today to talk all about how to invest for your kids. Yay, I'm excited to be here, Allison. Thank you for having me. So before we jump into the topic at hand, which I'm very excited to learn about because I have my own children and I am saving for college for them, but I have yet to do any investing for them. Sure. I want to know, just tell everyone a little bit about yourself and what you like to teach about. Sure. Yeah. My name is Andy Hill. I am the host of Marriage, Kids and Money. It's a platform dedicated to helping young families build wealth and happiness. And lately, I've been turning my focus a lot towards that kid's side of helping them build wealth and happiness for the future because we got a lot of time when it comes to our kids. Mm -hmm. And we could take advantage of lovely things like compound interest when we have decades and decades to help our kids hit their goals. This is wonderful. And let me tell you why. I see a lot of... I see a lot of things on social media that's like, if you had started investing in when you were eight years old and you'd be a millionaire by 16, I don't know, just these crazy things where it's (laughs) like, well, when I was eight, I had no idea how money even worked. Like, how was I supposed to start investing when I was eight years old? But then you've kind of flipped the script and you've kind of said, okay, well, you can give your kids that head start on investing. So maybe they're not aware that they're investing, but you're kind of setting them up for that. So we're going to talk about how to make that happen. But I want to know personally, how are you and your wife helping build wealth for your children? Because you have two kids of your own. We do. Yeah, we have an 11-year-old Zoe, and I love her to pieces. And we have an eight-year-old Calvin, and they are just my my joy. And they they play along with me on these fun these fun adventures. One of the three main ways, really, that I'll that I'll dive into about how we're building wealth for our kids. The first one is inspiring generational wealth. So when I say they play along with me, they they allow me to be my nerdy dad self and <laughs> te- teach them important financial literacy lessons. So mm-hmm. Calvin will join me on the podcast, and we'll talk about uh, giving and 
and happiness and saving and investing. Mm -hmm. And Zoe will come on the podcast and we'll talk about, we'll do a money quiz and we'll talk about different financial literacy lessons. So both of them let me have these conversations with them. But even if you're not a money nerd dad like me, <laughs> just having initial conversations with them on financial literacy, the everything, everyday things that we do, needs versus mm -hmm. wants. You know, what do these things cost in the grocery store? What can we say yes to? What can we say not yet to? Things like that, those types of conversations. So the first way is we're inspiring generational wealth by having those forward first conversations with them. And then secondly, we're practicing what we like to call our 60-40 generational wealth plan. So okay. any money that comes into their lives from hard work around the house or working outside of the house, or maybe some awesome gifts from grandma or grandpa, mm -hmm. it goes into this 60-40 generational wealth plan. So that's 60% for smart spending, 20% for investing, 10% for saving, and then 10% for giving. And then lastly, oh. we invest for generational wealth, like you talked about. So that's for their education, like you said, with the, mm -hmm. your 529 college savings account. And again, Allison, that is investing. So don't, don't, You're right. uh, it don't is give investing. yourself trouble on that. You're and right. Then, I guess I think of it as like, yeah. it's investing, but they're going to use it hopefully soon. Absolutely. Ho hopefully. Absolutely. At a short, more shorter term. But then for exactly. the longer term, we're talking about things like retirement. And you could do that through a Roth IRA for kids. And then maybe their future home ownership. You could do that through mm. a kid's brokerage account or, you know, other, mm. other fashion. So those are the three ways that we are doing it in our household and ways that I would encourage others to explore as well. I have a question, and this is not one that I sent you in advance. That's so okay. I'm ready. I'm going to throw you one. <laughs> I was having a conversation actually last night. We were having a conversation, my husband and I and our, our kids at dinner. And my husband actually just took a new job. We were talking about this before we hit record. He is taking a pay cut, but he's changing. He's still a teacher, but he's no longer going to be receiving a stipend as a band director. He's moving down to the elementary level and he's going to be a music teacher. Yeah. And my son asked us, well, does that pay less? And we were like, yeah, it does. But we've set ourselves up to where we can afford for him to be paid less. You know, the only debt we have is our mortgage. We're able to basically trade that time for money. And then my son started asking us very like number-based questions. Like, mm -hmm. do we have a hundred thousand dollars? And then <laughs> are we millionaires? And when will we be millionaires? He started asking us these questions. And I'm curious to know, just as someone you've been working alongside your wonderful, beautiful wife for years on end, working with your children specifically. Yeah. How open are you with your actual numbers when it comes to your finances with your children, especially at these yeah. ages? Because our kids are the same age. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I will uh, I'll caveat this again, that I'm sort of on this crusade of life <laughs> that I don't think we talk about money enough mm -hmm. with our partners, with our kids. Even, God willing, with our coworkers, mm -hmm. I think transparency around money is missing in our society in general. I think it's uh, come a long way with the openness of social media and right. the ability to Google stuff, Glassdoor, you know, things like this. So 
I am very open uh, when it comes to questions like that. That being said, when we hit big milestones in our lives, like becoming a young millionaire family or paying off our mortgage, do I cringe a little bit when my son goes and talks about net worth in his uh, second and third grade class? Sure, because I'm still getting used to, Mm -hmm. as a society, us being open and sharing about this stuff. So while I do it as a profession (laughs) online Mm -hmm. and I share a lot of these things, uh, personally, socially, I do I, I do get a little bit nervous. Yes. But I think that's just maybe our society progressing. And I want to be a part of that societal change. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to continue the openness uh, yeah. with my children, knowing that and telling them that not everybody's going to be there yes. with that openness. And that's mm-hmm. okay, too. So if you feel that the conversation has gotten weird or nobody else is talking about uh. it, read the room, right? Right. Well, as you and I could get together for a drink to have some conversations about money all day long, Allison, I've got a lot of friends that don't really want to talk about it. (laughs) I agree. Okay. Because I told him, I answered every question he had. We answered when he was like, how much money do we have? And so we talked about how some of it's in the bank, some of it's in mom's business. Most of it's invested. Like we talked about, we we're not going to we have that money, but we're not going to spend that money. We had that conversation. And then I immediately was like, but don't tell your friends this. And I was like, <laughs> oh, should I have said that? Because I don't want him going to school and being like, my parents have all, because it's like, number one, you just, I don't know. I don't know how he's accepting it. So I'm part of the problem, apparently, because I was like, this is, it's so new. Mm-hmm. It, it's so, it, it feels very tricky, especially when you're talking about it with children who don't understand those societal norms or what yeah. you should or should not say or anything like that. So I, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with, with how you approach that. I think that there are, there is news and information that you share within the family. And then there's yeah. news and information that you share when your community. And there's certain things that exactly. happen in your house that you say, Hey, this is just for us, you know, and that's right. Okay too, right. Right. So anyway, okay. So let's say that as I, we talk about money right know, now on a podcast know, right? that everybody can as, hear as we break it all down for you, <laughs> let's say that someone is listening right now and they're like, Andy, this sounds great, but I have debt. Like you're telling me I need to be investing for my kids, but I have my student loans that are about to get picked back up. I have a car loan I'm working on. I'm trying to pay for my kids extracurricular activities and I have aging parents parents that may or may not need my support financially. Do you think that someone just straight up that has debt, not mortgage debt, but consumer debt should be investing for their kids? No, I don't. I think that we should be putting on our own oxygen masks first. Although it's beautiful to look at compound interest charts and see those cool videos where, hey, if you just invest $100 now or $200 Mm -hmm. now, that'll turn into a billion dollars in 60 years when your kids are older. You don't want to be knocking on their door Mm -hmm. when you're 60, 70 saying, hey, I know you got all that money because I saved for you, but I don't have anything. (laughs) So can I live yeah. with you? That's not generational wealth. That is creating wealth for a skip a generation. You need to take care mm-hmm. of yourself first. You need to put on your own oxygen mask first, financially speaking. And that's why they tell you to do that on the plane. Because if you are not filling up your own cup, if you're not taking care of yourself, then you're not going to be any good to help anybody else. We need to essentially do that financial self-care so that we can love on other people financially as well. So yeah, 
if you've got high interest credit card debt, high any high interest debt, you are never going to beat out the interest that you're paying on those credit cards by investing for yourself or even for your kids. So taking a care of your high interest debt, planning for emergencies, and getting yourself on a trajectory where you're taking care of those three areas that we talked about for kids. Are you planning for your educational needs or taking care of the educational needs that you've already paid for? Are you planning for home ownership or taking care of your homestead mm -hmm. that you've already developed? And how are you planning for retirement? If you're planning those three things for your kids and not planning them for mm -hmm. yourself, then you're planning wrong. We, we need to plan for mm -hmm. taking care of ourselves so that that generational wealth can live on. I love that you answer that with a no right away. And here's why <laughs> I, I don't know if you struggle with this and I don't even know if I really struggle with it, but I once had a friend that said she was going into debt to providing experiences for her children because she mm. wanted the best for them. Yeah. And she wanted them to have what she didn't have growing up. And it was like the reasoning behind it came back to her wanting to be a really good mom mm -hmm. and wanting to give to her kids. And I think that that is a very tricky thing. And it can really make it to where people lose sight of preparing for themselves because they do want to put their kids before them because we do in so many other aspects of our lives, but we shouldn't necessarily do that with our money, which sounds very backwards when you like read all these parenting books, right? Yeah. I think that I know personally, I'll speak from, from my perspective. I got a false sense of reality leaving my parents' house in my 20s about what my life should be like in my mm -hmm. 20s. I immediately got a luxury car because <laughs> my parents had one. I immediately yeah. bought a house because my parents had one. I immediately whatever went out to dinner, went out with my friends whenever I wanted to because my parents were doing that. But the reality is my parents earned that over mm -hmm. decades and decades of their lives. And my quick reality of that when my 20s was that I went into major debt. I was owned by my house. I felt like I was just consumed by it. I had to turn in that luxury car because I couldn't afford it. I think a lot of times we want to give our kids a better life or we want to do the things that maybe we, we would love for them to have. But we need to understand as parents that that comes with time. We'll eventually be able to do those nice things, but we need to serve ourselves first so that we are allowing that wealth to grow and that independence and that financial strength so our kids can see that progression over time that it, it just doesn't happen right away. And when we try to force it to happen right away, consequences can happen. And, and your kids will see that. I really do. Yeah, I agree. You just mentioned about wealth growing over time. And that made me think, okay, we want to invest for our kids. It sounds like wonderful in practice and in theory, but what do you say to someone that's like, that seems so risky, like investing for my kids. It already seems like the stock market is risky in general. What if I just saved money in a high yield savings account? Like instead of saying, let me go through this this process that might seem really overcomplicated and over the top, like setting up a Roth IRA for my kids and justifying that they're earning this money and all those things. What if I just opened up a high yield savings account that gets, you know, anywhere between two, three percent on the bad years, 0.5 percent <laughs> instead? What is your thought process on that? First of all, I applaud you for even thinking about saving for your kids and putting yourself in a position where you've put your own financial oxygen mask on first. So if you feel comfortable with a high yield savings account for doing some of those things, 
Good on you. That's great. I would say that high yield savings accounts or savings accounts in general are better for short term goals. So mm -hmm. if we're talking kids, we're talking maybe the more expensive toy, the cell phone, the computer laptop deal, the car, things like that that are in the short term. I feel like that works really well for high yield savings accounts because the money is liquid. You can get at it and there's not a lot of ups and downs in the market and like, oh man, the past couple of years have not been that great for the market. So I would have, my my car money for my kid is, is a lot less than the original amount that I put in. That's really depressing. So I would avoid short-term investing goals for kids. What I do think investing is great for is for the long-term really big things. And those really big things, I'll just reiterate again, is education, which could be anywhere from 18 to 10 years away, depending on how old your child is or even longer. And then their future home ownership. I think that wealth is really built in this country based on being a homeowner and because you own it and then it continues to go over time mm -hmm. and you see a lot of the people who have that millionaire status own real estate personally or they own it as a business. That is a great way to build wealth over time. And then for their future retirement, that is potentially 50, 60 years away. When we talk about goals that have decades behind them, investing is a really great place to do that. Now, if you're talking about short term, yes, there is going to be some volatility. Like, let's say yeah. you started investing for personally for your retirement or whatever in 2020. You're like, oh, this is a really smart idea. The past few years have been really tough, right? <laughs> yeah. Even like, oh man, investing, that stinks. But we're only looking at it in a short period of time. We're looking at a three-year window as opposed to a 33-year window or a 60-year window. There's a, there's a nice saying called when in doubt, zoom out. So you look at those charts and you say, oh man, over the past couple of years, investing has been really bad. And then you just zoom it out to 10 years, mm. 20 years, 30 years, 60 years. You see on average, the general stock market has gone up around 10%. That's, I mean, it's not guaranteed for sure, but mm -hmm. hey, if you look at the history of things, that can be a good indicator of where your assets invested might go over time. So I would separate the goals from short term, call it maybe five to seven years down, and then everything up as long term goals and look at ways to invest for those big, big things mm -hmm. in the future. Today's episode is brought to you by my budget to build wealth. Here's the truth. I do not believe, actually, I refuse to believe that wealth is just for the rich. I believe that wealth can be built on a budget without sacrificing what you love to spend money on. I fully believe that budgeting is the quickest, most effective way for you to reach your money goals. So whether your goal is to stop living paycheck to paycheck, pay off those student loans that have been hanging over your head, or find room in your budget every single month so that way you can start investing for your future, you're going to need a guide, a plan to get yourself there, which is exactly what I'm sharing in my free training, Budget to Build Wealth. In this training, I'm gonna be sharing three massive mistakes that people make with their budget and their financial plan so that way you can avoid them. I'm gonna be sharing with you the secret to freeing up more money in your budget each month so that way you can send extra money to your goals. And I'm going to be sharing with you my tried and true four-step framework to budgeting your way to wealth without giving up what you love. Plus, there is a very special free gift for anyone who stays until the end. You can sign up by going to inspiredbudget.com class 
or just click the link in my show notes. You'll be able to choose a time that works for your schedule and I'll see you there. Let's say you have someone listening right now. They're like, you know what, Andy, you're right. I've kind of set myself up or I have a goal to set myself up financially so that I can start investing for my kids. What are the options? I mean, you've mentioned the 529, you mentioned the Roth IRA. Can you just go over really quickly? I know you can't dive into every single option out there, but can you go over maybe like the most common tools or I guess vehicles for investing mm-hmm. for your child? Yeah, I would say the the first and most important one in in my opinion would be that college savings account. And I know there's a lot of debate for people is college worth it anymore? Is that mm-hmm. something that we want for our kids or not with the mess that's going on? Statistically, going to college will provide you a financially a, a better financial future. Mm-hmm. Some some uh, statistics out there say that you'll make more than a million dollars in your lifetime versus not having a college degree. Now, wow. let's say that you could also look at it from a non-financial standpoint have going to college you make more connections you you grow your skills in certain areas mm-hmm. that you didn't have before those connections and those skills they help you to get better jobs that you actually might enjoy more in your life yeah. so ha- college does have a lot of pluses to it now if you're like well you know what maybe traditional college might not be for my child maybe they're going to be more along the lines of like a technical school or a community mm-hmm. college or other things like that a 529 college savings account can still help you for those things so i'm a bit a- big advocate for education first because that is the way that they can build their own generational wealth mm-hmm. as opposed to saying hey i invested for my kid for 20 years here's your pot of gold good luck you know how yeah. quickly they're going to spend that money without the education and the knowledge on how to use that. So I think mm-hmm. it's more important for us to set that first financial goal of helping them to educate themselves. You're teaching them how to fish essentially so that they can go and create their own fish in the future, exactly. right? So education first. So I know that we talked about it at the beginning, like you are investing for your That's kids' true. generational wealth by investing in a 529 college savings account. Now, are you going to have the potentially 100000 or 200000 or $300,000 that you're going to need to pay for all of their expenses? Maybe not. That's yeah. okay, right? You're going to get them there in a good fashion that will mm-hmm. help them go. Maybe scholarships, maybe working in high school, working in college, yeah. internships, things like that can help them get across so they don't, so they can graduate without student loans. Oh, can I share with you our plan? Yeah. Yeah, our plan, please. we have we said we have four things. So number one, yeah. we're saving, but we yes. are aware that how much we're saving might not cover it. Like that's just that is our reality. So we're saving. Then we plan to cash flow some of it, hopefully, like while they're in school helping out cash flowing. We plan for them to apply for scholarships. And then we plan for them to have a part-time job to help cover some of their living expenses. So we're like between those four things. Hopefully, you will not have to take out student loans. And if you do end up taking out student loans, it'll be hopefully a lot less than if we hadn't done those four things, or maybe a lot less than what we personally had to take out just overall. 
I love that plan. I think that's yeah. fantastic. It's also realistic. You could oversave in a 529 and be like, okay, well, they didn't they didn't need all that because they got scholarships or things like that. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's a good problem to have depending exactly. on how much income you have. Your plan, I like that middle ground. That's kind of what we're shooting for too. We're mm-hmm. shooting for like half of the cost maybe for yeah. college, depending on how we can get there. And having some in a savings account is actually smart because not all the things that a 529 could be used for can actually be used with a 529. Uh, let's mm-hmm. say they want to live off campus or they want to mm-hmm. whatever they want to go on a trip they want to have some fun yes. it's non-college associated and you want to fund that those efforts yeah having mm-hmm. having a savings account can can, yeah. can help with that as well so i love your plan thank you i do too <laughs> <laughs> okay so we talked about college fund what other vehicles can we be using to help our make our kids a millionaire yeah, I love it. So one thing that I love to talk about is uh, Roth IRA. And I know you talk a lot that, about that on your show too, personally, for people who want to invest for their retirement after tax and take advantage of the the tax advantages that, that come with a Roth IRA personally. So when we talk about that for kids, you're thinking like, okay, wow, this is 50, 60, mm-hmm. 70 years of growth over time that could really impact how much wealth they're going to have when they stop working or don't want to work anymore or can't work anymore to replace their income. And this can be in the millions of dollars over mm-hmm. time. So taking advantage of that early is great. So how can they invest in a Roth IRA? Well, just like us, they need to have earned income. It can't be just like, okay, I want to start an account and then I start it and then start investing in it. No, they need to have real earned income. So let's say your kid gets their first gig out of in high school and they're working at the ice cream shop. Okay. They have earned income, but even before that, maybe they work for a family business and they mm-hmm. can and get paid through that fashion. Or maybe they start their own small business where they're doing work outside of the home, where they're shoveling snow or babysitting mm-hmm. or things like that. That is their own individual business. So those three areas, they're paid by a company outside of here, or they have their own small business, or they're paid through a family business. Those are, are three different ways that you can invest in a Roth IRA for okay. kids and then have that compound and grow for decades upon decades and leave them with a very comfortable retirement. Again, one of those big long-term investing goals that we're mm-hmm. talking about retirement. Okay. So I love this and it seems like you know everything about this. So <laughs> I am going to say though, that for like the average person, this can mm-hmm. be very like new and overwhelming. Sure. And you might think, what if I screw it up? I don't want to get hit with like this crazy taxes or something if I yeah. mess it up. So you've actually created something to help kind of guide people through this because this isn't something that people talk about a lot. So tell us about what you have created to really teach parents how to invest for their kids. Absolutely. Yeah. The the course that I've developed is called Make My Kid a Millionaire. And man, it's definitely a labor of love over the past year, Mm -hmm. Uh, not only from information that we've ascertained through being parents and going through this process ourselves to help set our kids up for generational wealth and happiness, but also uh, I've included experts to your point. Like some of this stuff is pretty technical, right? So I've got some mm-hmm. CPAs in there. I've got some financial advisors that are going to help kind of guide through specific information and help people to know how to go about the process and step-by-step tutorials to set up these accounts to mm. make it easy uh, with with my favorite brokerage partner, Vanguard, just because they they do it the easiest process and makes makes it makes it easier. So it's a course. It's uh, 10 modules. 
And it walks you through the steps that you need to take to build and protect generational wealth for your children. And really also the happiness part is in there too. We talk a lot about giving and the importance of happiness associated with giving. And because you could build all this wealth, have all the money, but then you maybe kind of look back and be like, well, what is all this for? Is it moving us towards the family values that really matter to us? And is it allowing me to be the change that I want to see in the world and impact the world in a positive way? So all of that's intertwined in the course, Make My Kid a Millionaire. Oh, I love it. So you can find out more information by going to inspiredbudget.com slash kid, K-I-D, tried to keep it super simple for you. So that way you can check out that course and really get very detailed guided instructions, much more than just this podcast episode can help you with to help make your kid a millionaire. So thank you, Andy, for doing that. I think there's gonna be a lot of future kids, kids that aren't going to realize it right now what their parents are doing. (laughs) But one day they're going to be like, how did you learn this? And their parents are going to say, I took this course by this Andy guy. And now you're set up for success. So I love that you're doing this. You're really changing lives. Oh, thank you. Andy, at the end of every interview, I like to ask my guests three questions just to get to know them better. Don't think too hard about them. I didn't send these to you in advance even. I don't think I I love it. I love it. I'm ready. I I can't remember. No, you didn't. (laughs) Question question number one is what is one thing you are looking forward to? What is one thing that I am looking forward to? Well, my first quick answer is that we're ready for the spring here in Michigan. It is. It's a little, it's a little frigid. We've had our long winter. I'm ready for some warm weather and spending some time outside with my kids and, and goofing around. That's what I'm looking forward to. And anyone who's listening to this, we're recording this at the beginning of March. So That's you're right. still very much in the winter. Yes. Winter Hopefully state. Texas is uh, is thawing out at this point. Oh, yeah. No, we have like a high of 87 tomorrow. Oh, I love so it. We're, I love we're it. already there. Okay. The second question is, what's one money mistake that you've made that you would tell everybody to avoid? I would say that buying a home when you're not financially prepared mm-hmm or even just emotionally prepared for home ownership can be a really bad decision. It, le- it really was for me. I-, I bought a home way too early, wasn't financially prepared, and felt kind of the the pains and financial worry of home ownership for about a decade. So I wouldn't rush into home ownership as much as people say, buy a home as soon as possible. Renting can have some benefits to it. Absolutely. Yes. And you actually go into that story in depth in episode 31 of the Inspire Budget podcast. So if you want to hear Andy's roller coaster drama story about buying a home and then also eventually paying off his current home in five years, then go check out episode 31. My last question is actually not a question at all. I just want you to finish the sentence. It is my favorite thing I've ever spent money on is. My favorite thing I've ever spent money on is a red eye plane ticket to go visit my future wife in Los Angeles, California and falling in love with her and bringing her back to Michigan where she's from. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's the best 
answer. Okay. So she was in LA. How did you guys meet if she was in LA and you were in Michigan? I met her through a high school friend who was sort of blind roommating with uh, her. uh, And my friend told me to come out and visit for a couple of years. And I didn't really have the money or the the time to go. And uh, I went on Facebook and saw that she had a really, really good looking roommate. (laughs) And so (laughs) I seemed to find the motivation and the money to make it out there. Wow. Okay. Oh my gosh. I love that. So you went and got her and helped her move back. Yep. Yeah. She, she moved out there just to do some new experience for three years, have a job, really liked it. Eventually wanted to move back home where she was from. She, she met a nice Michigan guy that, that brought her back to Michigan. And uh, I I won the instant in law points as well, bringing anybody back from California. That's, uh, that's credibility right there. Oh, wow. Oh, what a wonderful story. Well, Andy, thank you so much for joining us on the Inspire Budget Podcast. I really hope that this episode has motivated parents everywhere, whether or not you're ready to invest for your kids. If you're still in debt and you're battling that, I hope that this episode has motivated you to get through that process so that you can set aside money for your kids and for their future and really create that generational wealth that Andy, you were talking about. Excellent. Thank you, Allison. Yes. And if you are interested in checking out Andy's new course, Make My Kid a Millionaire, be sure to go to inspirebudget.com slash kid, K-I-D. So that way you can start investing for your kids. Excellent. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's episode, it would mean the world to me if you would actually subscribe or follow the podcast. You can do that by hitting a little check mark or down arrow in whatever podcast player you're listening to. And of course, I would love it and appreciate it if you would leave a rating or review. These help other people just like you find the Inspire Budget Podcast. I'll be back next Thursday with another brand new episode. Bye.